episode 13. Yes, 13 of See You Next Tuesday. I'm Jesse. I'm Amanda. And this is a true crime podcast. Yeah. We cuss a lot. We say cunt. Yeah, we're taking it back. Yep. We're taking it all back. Yeah, actually. <laughs> That's a good way to put that, actually. That's a really great way to say that. Um, and obviously we cuss. So if you don't like that, you don't like murders, and you don't like to talk about terrible, awful things. Then maybe this is not the place for you. Yeah. So heads up. But if it is, welcome. Welcome to the darkness. We we're, love. Dude, we're glad to it. have you. Yeah. We love to explore it. We're glad you're new. You're our new best friends. Yep. Truly. Yeah. Thank y'all so much for listening. Actually, we've been having quite a few listeners lately. We are just looking at it. I know. Thank you to all our new listeners. What up, Kansas City? I know. That's crazy. Whoever you are, shout us out. We're uh, at C-C-E-E underscore podcast on Twitter. We're uh, See You Next Tuesday podcast on Instagram and TikTok and fuck YouTube and... Yes, and it's always C is C-E-E and then the U is just the letter U. Yep. So, Yeah. But to look us up, give us a listen, like, comment, subscribe, follow, all that shit. Um, I'm always hanging out on the Twitterverse. <laughs> that's true. And I'm the TikTok gal, so. Yeah. She see. makes some badass TikToks. Oh, thanks. You should go check her out. Do you actually watch them? I do. All the way through. Um, uh, yes. So what happens is I'll be sitting at work, hating my coworkers. God, if you're my coworker and you found me, oh, sorry. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> Be real. It depends on who you are. Yeah, there you go. It <laughs> depends on who you are. <laughs> um, and then I'll get a notification on my phone that says, see you next Tuesday has a new TikTok. And I'm like, oh, what did Jesse do today? <laughs> because I'm normally listening to a podcast. And then I click over to the Tiki Talkie. And I watch your Tiki Talkie, and I always try to make sure I hit like to fuck with the algorithm. <laughs> so more people see us, and then I go back to my podcast. Well, see, what's weird about TikTok is, like, it's not even based on likes, though. That's what's so fucking weird about it. It's, like, literally based off of just views. So I'm viewing it. No, I know. I know. I'm just saying, like, it's just, like, as long as, like, many people view it at once, you know what it's like? The coronavirus. Like, oh, fucking Rona, man. Ah, oh, God dang it. I know. Well, and what's weird is I had one pop up like today from four days ago that I've never seen. Exactly. Because it has so many views, even days later, that it's going to, if you have like a certain amount of views in a certain amount of time, it'll spread to the, a next higher tier and then a next higher tier. And that's how people go viral is... You know, getting from one tier, 100 views, 200, 500,000, 35K, a million views. Oh, my God. Robots are taking over our lives. And I can't. I just can't anymore. And that's how coronavirus spreads, too. So, hey, guys. Wear your mask. Science is real. Yeah, science is real. Get fucking vaccinated. Yeah. Dr. Fauci is 80. He doesn't want to be up there telling you this shit anymore. Do you want to know why he's 80 and looks 35? He's vaccinated. Yeah. I bet he's got... The measles, the mumps, the rubella, the chicken pox, the smallpox, 
The Rona. I bet he also goes in for that 10-year tetanus shot that none of us get. Oh, yeah. They always ask me about that. I'm like, no, I'm good. Yeah, I haven't same. stepped on a nail. I'm fine. <laughs> I know. It's always stepped on a nail. How is that always, like, the first thing we think of know. for tetanus? He probably gets his, like, boosters of everything. I mean, shit. I mean, also, he probably gets them because, like, it's part of his job to get them. I, I bet he gets a little nip-tuck, too. You think? If he does, it's subtle. I'm just saying. The man looks 65 is what I'm saying. A little Botox here and there. I betcha. You think? He's on TV. If I was on TV, I would be in a a little... Well, yeah, but he's also like a Jesuit, you know? And from what I understand, they're pretty, like, stoic about most things in life. You know, they're kind of, like, chill about shit like that. I really don't know. I'm just saying get vaccinated, people. That's all I'm just saying. If you're going to get a shot... Make sure it's Botox and then get vaccinated. No, no, no. Get the Botox. Get the vaccine first. (laughs) Yep. See? (laughs) She confused me. I'm sleepy. I've worked all week. This is true. No, definitely. Seriously. It's not not chill. And unfortunately, expecting younger generations, i.e. children. Straight up kids. (sighs) Babies. Yeah. And they need to wear their masks. Yeah. In school. And there needs to not be a mandate that mandates no mask mandate. Yeah. Sorry, guys. If you want to think of this as political, it's not. It's fucking science. Mm-hmm. So again, if this is not the podcast for you, here's your sign. Um, moving on, though. <laughs> uh, but definitely want to talk about um, murder. Yes. What do you have up? In store for me today. Is it gonna be a is it gonna be a journey? Is it gonna be a roller coaster? It's, it's gonna be a roller coaster. So I'm not like you. I didn't read a whole book. Sorry. I, I don't really think the book was that big. I really don't know because it was um It was only a thousand pages. No big deal. It was an ebook, and you don't ever really know how many pages those are. You don't have the it doesn't say the page number? Well, no, you're right, because if you change the format, it can go from like like, even the font size, it can go from, yeah, like, yeah, 200 yeah. to, like, 500 pages. Mm-hmm. I get yeah. what you're saying. Okay. So, you never really know. Like, when you have a book in right. your hand, which I do love real books. Of course. They can be this fat, and you go, oh, fuck, that's a big book. Or they can be, like, this fat, and you're like, oh, I'm going to zip right through that bad boy. Right. Ebooks, you just don't ever know. It's true. Yeah, that's a good point. I Until... Two and a half hours later, you're, you're like, just downplaying the fact done. that you read a book and my lazy ass watched a Netflix documentary and we're going to, I'm just going to call it a day, essentially. I mean, I'm not saying I'm more committed than you. Aren't you? <laughs> Isn't that kind of like implied at this point? No, here's the thing. I didn't realize how much true crime books were out there to be perfect. I know that sounds batshit. I love true crime. Because I learned by seeing, you know, like I'm like a, ooh, new documentary. Let's fucking watch this shit, right? Like I'm like in, but you're like, oh, I found this book. So truthfully, I don't even know where to start. But I did watch a whole trial. Fuck. This is true. And not only did I watch the trial, but I did watch two TV shows about it too. Damn. So you're saying I'm not committed enough is what you're saying. It's like totally like commit, commit shaming, pod shaming me right now. No, I'm just fucking with you. I did not. Okay. I already have my next one done and I did not read a book, watch a trial or a TV show, even though I know that she has one. I just went on the internet. Did you go to Wikipedia? I did not Wikipedia. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know how I feel about Wikipedia. If you're not licking, if you're not on Murderpedia or Wikipedia, what are you doing with your life? I used Murderpedia. Yeah, Murderpedia is pretty great. But I didn't use Wikipedia. <laughs> you know how I feel about Wikipedia. So I get really jazzed when I see a documentary come up or like a true crime, whatever the hell. Ooh, ABC 2020. Oh, can we go there? Yes. 2020, 2020. Yes, yes, I love it. No, I mean, so here's what happens. Like, I know the next person I'm going to do mm-hmm. has these shows. Like, I don't know which one. It's like a killer women type Right. Situation snapped. I don't know which the fuck one it is. There's 18 of them and I love them all. But if it's for this, I will have my computer. I'll be watching the show and I'll be like taking notes and watching and pausing and typing and pausing and going and pausing. And then it's just not enjoyable. Yeah, I see what you mean. I see what you mean. So then it kind of ruins that. True crime is more of like a interest or a hobby. And then it becomes like work at that point. Kind of. Don't get me wrong. I love it. Right. Um, but then there's other people in my house that are looking at me like I'm fucking crazy <laughs> because I'm like, pause, type, 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 play, watch, pause, type, 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 type. And they're like, can we not just watch the show? Yeah. Like, why are you stopping and starting? Yes. Got it. Okay. Whereas normally I would grab my wine, sit on the couch. I mean. Put on the snap. Who among us doesn't? And take mental notes about if you fuck me over, this is what I'm not going to do to get caught. Do you just ever stare at your husband while you're watching and you're just like, "Mm mm-hmm. Oh, no. To really fuck with him, I grab a notebook and a pen. (laughs) (laughs) When they're describing, like, the the how. Like, oh, and then she did this. And you're like, "Mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll go, oh, that's how she got caught. Don't mm. do that. <laughs> no, don't do this. And it's on paper, which you could easily like. Burn that burn shit. Burn it. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not stupid enough to put an electronic device. Yeah, no, I'm not going to type that in a Google Doc. God, no. Or text it to somebody. No. We're not stupid. No. I have learned from my years of snapped. <laughs> Oh, that's great. No, I get that. It, whereas for me, for me, it's easier because like I'm chillaxing, relaxing, all cool, shooting some b-ball outside of the school. And then I'm like, hey, I'm going to make you spit out your, your drink. <laughs> I'm good. Those that know, if you know, you know. Um, and then like, I'll just be doing it on my own. And my pod hub would be like playing video games or some shit. So he's like mm. doing his thing. I'm doing my thing. Yeah. I'm doing my doc and he's like, okay, whatever. Do you? Yeah. Got it. Okay. It makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. So I geek out when I see a new Netflix doc. In fact, like, especially the true crime ones or any sort of like crime related ones, I'll be like, Ooh, remind me. So like pop up into your queue automatically. And this one came across my queue and maybe some of you already watched it. If you haven't watched it, highly recommend you watch it. Netflix has been coming through with the true crime docs. Like, fucking amazing. They are, like, rivaling HBO at this point. And that's saying something. HBO is, like, it's the top of the game when it comes to true crime. Ready for this? I don't have HBO. No, I know. So I don't know what's on it. Dude, the HBO Max, highly worth it. 
we get it with our, uh, what's it called? Uh, TV shit. Yeah. Or whatever. But yeah, this is like, if it's on HBO, you know, it's going to be fucking amazing. But Netflix has been ailing it. And this one came up, Elise Matsunaga, Netflix documentary. And it is amazing. Heads up. It's in Portuguese. You're going to have to watch subtitles. They've been having a lot of Spanish, um, many different uh, country uh, documentaries lately. And like, sometimes you're like, oh, wait, I'm going to have to read. Okay, crap. You know, (laughs) so, but highly recommend. It's good. Well done. You say subtitles and I'm like, ugh. And you're out. (laughs) I'm out because my sons, both of them, Mm -hmm. only watch anime. Right. And so I'm a little over the subtitle situation. Oh, got it. So it's like a context thing for you. are like, oh God, subtitles again. Well, they could listen to um, dubs. They like, they prefer the subtitles. Oh, yes. Okay. Oh, yes. Podhubs prefers the, the dub. It's just easier, I guess. Oh, no. No, no, no. We don't do that we in don't. my house. Oh, got it. Okay. Fair enough. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, my, my lady is um, Brazilian, and, you know, they, they speak Portuguese down there, which uh-huh. it's so fascinating because it feels like Spanish and Italian mushed together. Because they had a baby, that's yeah. what it be. Yeah, that's what the language reminds me of. Because, like, some words you're like, that sounds like an Italian word. And then they'll say, like, a Spanish word, and you're like, wait, what? Portuguese is an interesting language. That's what I'm going to say. Um, so the story of Elise was curious and how they present it in the documentary is really well done. It's kind of a layer by layer thing. Mm-hmm. So again, watch the documentary. That's one of my sources, clearly. There's also a couple of wiki sources. Besides that, it's really hard to find information because, again, this is in Brazil. So there's a lot of pages that had to get translated. And then I was like... I mean, you, you get it. It doesn't make sense when you translate right, it. Right. So I was like, and then I'm like, is this a real reputable news source? I don't know the news sources down there. It's not like they have like NBC News Brazil. You know what I mean? What? They don't have NBC News Brazil? <laughs> That's fucking. Yeah. So I the, the sources were limited, but from what I got of it, they were all very consistent. So I was like, okay, this is the core of the story so I can build around it. Right. So um, at least I... Matsunaga was born in Brazil on May 19th uh, in Brazil. Okay. So I'm going to walk you through this story, how I think, I don't know. We'll go there. I'll just follow along with me. So on May 19th, 2012, Marcos Matsunaga went down the elevator to grab some pizza at the bottom of his penthouse apartment building. Oh, bougie. Yeah. Bougie as shit. Soon after he lay dead from a gunshot wound to the head. What had led to this? Who pulled the trigger? And now, what to do with the body? Please don't ever do that again. Why? It was fun. Did I take you on a journey? No, that was not a journey. Okay. <laughs> I was really proud. Okay, you, an English major, I'm over here really proud of me writing that. Like, I fucking wrote this motherfucking shit. I wrote it from, like, memory. After the documentary, I was like, mm, yeah, I'm getting this, you know? That's why you need to pause and talk. Pause and type. Pause and type. Pause and type. Okay. Come with me. So, Elise. (laughs) Do we need to do this together when we. What? Pause and type? Have a class. No! Let me alone. (laughs) Go alone. Let me alone. I thought that was really clever. I was like, ooh, I'm like setting up the story. (laughs) Right? 
Like that first initial setup. Anyway. You did great. I loved it. Now you're lying. I'm not lying. Mm. So, <laughs> Lisa um, Araujo. Oh, my God. I'm going to butcher her name. I'm so sorry. Lisa um, Araujo Kitano Matsunaga uh, was born December 29th, 1981 in rural uh, Chapulhino, Brazil. Again, I am so sorry. So, I'm going to pronounce that again. If you say it with confidence, they won't know you're wrong. Chapuzinho. That's what we'll go with. Um, she was raised by her mom, house cleaner. Um, and uh, her dad died when she was young and her mother eventually remarried. Okay. Um, they were, they were very poor. Okay. So like, and they show her, her home on the documentary a lot. Basically think of like a farmhouse, chickens, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Didn't grow up with much. Um, her stepfather, unfortunately, and this is true, uh, started shit pothole. Shit pothole. Straight up SP. Sexually abusing her as a teen. And when this happened, she ran away from home uh, for 45 days. So the story she tells in the documentary is pretty compelling. And um, from what I understood about it, she basically like ran to another city that was close by and just like noped it out of there. You know, like, yeet, I'm out of here. I'm not fucking doing this shit. I don't want to be around this person ever again. But eventually she had to go back. I mean, she didn't tell her family where she was going. She didn't tell her mom what happened, obviously. Like, shit, I got to go back. Um, But soon after this, she moved into her aunt's house because she was like, I cannot live in the house of that man. Um, And then her grandmother even told her that she, you know, hey, look, we I understand that you don't want to be around this person and you want to, like, live your own life. And basically told her, like, the best way to do that is to get an education, you know, go out there, get an education. You don't want to be poor the rest of your life. That's fine. This is how you do that. So Lise was actually really good in school. And she mer- she moved to Kurti- Kuritaba around 250 miles from her hotel- hometown. Her hotel. Ho- her hotel. Oh, my God. That's a totally different thing. That's a totally, yeah. That's a different side of the, the world. Um, where she went on to take technical nursing courses and started working in a hospital. What is technical nursing? So I think it's just very similar to like, just like getting that starting nursing degree here, like a CNA, a certified nursing, okay. or like LPN, RN, that kind of thing. Okay. Um, but she basically just like decided I'm going to study to become a nurse in order to get okay. a better job. Yeah. And a better life. Um, she eventually moved to Sao Paulo. And in order to pay for school, she became an escort. All right, let's move. Yeah, no. And again, sex work is work. You do what you have to do. She was from a very poor family who could not afford school. And this was her way of doing that. Yeah. Hey, I I know shame. It is what it is. Exactly. And this was back in like the early days of of the internet. And I don't mean like 95. I mean like. 90, late 90s, early 2000s era, mm-hmm. you know, on a website called M Class. Okay. Um, on busy days, like when the F1 racing was in town, she sometimes saw up to 10 people a day. Again, do what you need to do. Um, that is definitely not a lifestyle that is sustainable for long, you know? Yeah. And it's not safe. No. As we all know, that's very dangerous. It's ex- especially when. 
F1 is around. Right. There's a lot of trafficking. Oh, yeah. When that's going down. Mm -hmm. Well, the other thing is, is like if somebody hurts you or whatever, that dude or, or, or woman or whoever is out of town the next day. Like they could just buy, you know, like it's not like you can prosecute somebody who's like in another, from another country yeah. who leaves or whatever. So she was definitely not living her best life, but she was also like, okay, I just got to do this to get from here to there. Right. Right. So one of the people that she met at her job was Marcos Matsunaga. Okay. Marcos was born in 1970 in Sao Paulo and is a child of Japanese immigrants and an heir to the Yoki Food Company founded by his grandfather in the 1960s. Um, And from what I understand about this company, it was started in Brazil and um, it was built into this giant empire. So this kid is fucking rich as shit. In other words. Graduated college in 1988 and the family eventually made him the CEO of the company after he finished school. Must be nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I can't relate to that yeah, situation. Yeah, what's that like? Hit I would up, like, Marcos, let me know. I would like to know. I mean, <laughs> it'd be kind of nice. Hey. I, would, I wouldn't complain about it. I wouldn't cry about it. In 2004, this is when Marcos' story meets Elise's, okay? He purchased her services, right? This is a fun little fact about Marcos. He was married at the time. Of course he was. And he had a little girl. Of course he did. Yeah. Because, you know, chill. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm not going to tell you what I think of that. Please do. I think he's a piece of shit. <laughs> so are we going to go with him as the cunt? Right now he's the cunt. It's kind of a cunty move. Not going to lie. It's a real fucking cunty move. You want to go fucking escort... Leave your wife, leave your daughter, go fucking escort. Right. Or if it's an agreed upon, we have an open relationship. Again, that's a different story. But in this case, it was not. He's just fucking around. Shocking. Yeah. So Elise soon became, beyond just a customer client situation, his mistress for three years without his wife knowing. So... I don't know how to say this respectfully towards her. Mm -hmm. So for those three years, she was his mistress. Was she not getting paid? No. Why would she give up that gig? Um, Because, you know, for for one, he's rich. Yeah. So he could be paying her for those three years. He, she's not being paid because he's taking her on vacations and paying for things for her. Like, Boyfriend, girlfriend. Think of that situation. Is he paying her rent? Is he paying her lights? Is he paying for her school? From what I understand, school's off the table now. She is being provided for oh, by this person. She's not going to school anymore? Yes. Okay, let's let's continue. Yeah. So think Can of it like you like, have, a, think of it this way, okay? You have a rich boyfriend, swoops in, mm-hmm. saves you from having to do sex work anymore, right? You're like, okay, great. I would be excited about right? no sex work. Done. And then now you guys are like going on vacations. You're like I said, you're, you have like all this stuff in your life. You literally went from poor, you know, not having much to having like the world at your feet. And this guy is saying, you're beautiful. I love you. I want to be with you, blah, blah, blah. Keep in mind, Elise at the time has no idea about his wife. Okay. Heads up. 
Yes. Um, that's from what I understand. Now, granted, he did have to get a divorce. Or, or from what I understand, she was under the assumption that it was like, oh, I'm, I'm getting separated. Oh, I'm getting divorced. Of course. Oh, that's I'm always their fucking right, story. Right. So it wasn't until 2009, however, that Marcus decided to leave his wife and marry Elise. And they got married later that year in October 2009. So that's five years later. Yeah. So, and again, like the whole being the other woman thing, you know, like there's like, I can see her point of view of like, this guy says he's going to leave his wife. In this case, he actually did. He actually did. And he did marry her. So he actually did do the thing that most guys say that they're going to do. Yeah. But but I can tell you 100%, like he did leave his wife. He did marry her, but he did have another bitch on the side. Put a pin in that. So, like, I I also, in this case, am not letting her off the hook either because, like, I don't know. I feel like right now I'm all about him. Right now you're all about him? I'm not. I'm not saying, like, she should know better. I'm just saying, like, if, if, I'm going to say this. This is my opinion. If I were her, I'd be like, I kind of need you. It's been three years, yo. If you really want to marry me, like, let's, let's get down to business here. You know what I mean? I would not have waited three years for the divorce to happen. Right, 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 right. Or be like, hey, look, come back at me when you got the divorce handled, then we'll get together. Right, right, right. Yeah. I might need some papers signed. Right. PDQ. Yeah. Prove this shit to me, especially because you're rich. Come on now. Um. Anyway, so they got married October 2009. Okay. And then we're talking Louis Vuitton, Gucci, Balenciaga. I'm talking penthouse. Vac- again, more vacations, um, lavish lifestyle. Okay. They collected expensive cigars for, they had a whole fucking cellar in a penthouse. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They started a winery and had a giant wine cellar. And like, I'm talking about I starting cry about that. Right. Right. <laughs> I'm talking like when they started a winery, it was like exclusive wines, like super high end. And then they would go to like all these wine conventions and sell their wine. I mean, like they were making a, ton of money. He already had money. I just want to say this. The price of wine does matter. Oh, it does. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. The more expensive the wine, the better the wine is. Yeah. Now go. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's literally the basis of the entire wine industry (laughs) is literally that. Like, you know, people look at wine and go, well, the $8 bottle of wine doesn't taste any better than the $35 bottle of wine. Yes, the fuck it does. Yeah. I mean, the $35 bottle of wine does. You heard it here first, y'all. Yeah, and this is the thing, though. Sometimes you just want an $8 bottle of wine, right? Sometimes you do. Yes. But if you want to treat yourself, you're like, no, not today. I'm going to go up. I'm going to go up to the top shelf. I'm going to reach. I'm going to grab that $35 motherfucker. Today's the day. I mean, I have wine club wine, and they're about $25. To $35 a bottle. Yeah. I get three every quarter. That's my treat me wine. There you go. Yeah. And that shit good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's good as shit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they were doing well. As you know, from the price of wine alone. Yes. They're not hard up. Okay. They also uh, collected multiple guns. Oh, there we go. Round 30. Oh, I'm seeing where this is going now. Yeah. 
And they were regular hunters. Of course they were. So I'm talking hunters like for sport, Mm -hmm. but the thing that they did do is they did use them for food. Uh-huh. So it makes it better, I guess. I don't I mean, know. They're just rich people shooting animals, which is stupid. You know, stupid. but we did eat the elephant meat and use the tusks for our um, dining room table. So it's fine. It's fine. Exactly. I kind of feel somebody dies in a hunting accident. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there. Okay. So, again, Elise, you got to remember where she's from. She's from the fucking country. Mm-hmm. She knows how to fucking shoot a gun. She knows what to do with an animal. It's not that big of a fucking whoop to her. But now she has the ability to do it. And turns out she's good at hunting. Mm-hmm. I bet. She knows what the fuck she's doing. Mm-hmm. She also knows how to dress and process animals. And Marcos was like, oh, she's a cool chick. You remember? You like Gone Girl, like a cool chick. She can hang with the guys. She Until can go hunting. She, you know, dress and processes you. Mm-hmm. So she's the cool chick in his life. She's chill with his like cigars. She's chill with hunting. She loves the fact that they have a pet snake, like all this shit that all like little boys just, you know, for the most part, glom to like, oh, it'd be so cool if a chick like that existed. Well, this is Elise to Marcos. And they're like, ah, it's amazing. Our life is amazing. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So he really was like, awe-inspired about the fact that, she, you know, she supported all his interest. And this is also a phenomenal escape from her past because she obviously doesn't have to be an escort anymore. She's the wife of a rich person. Um, it's a true 180, 100%. So she's kind of living her dream, you know? I mean, shit. It's great. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, after they were married, she started to suspect him of cheating. Oh, I didn't see that coming. Right. Doesn't see that coming. Right? I know. I, I didn't see that like um drop on the roller coaster. Yeah, from a mile away, right? See that at all. Not saying that you can't enter a relationship. Both of you are either have been cheating on the other's person and then y'all get together. I'm not saying once a cheater, always a cheater. Correct. But I'm saying it. But sorry, not sorry. It's pretty, pretty common. So in 2010, now granted, they got married in 2009. This is not that long after um, the fighting started. Oh, okay. She started to find text messages and was considering divorcing him, you know, when she became pregnant. Oh. Solving everything. And she's like, well, let's try to make it work. Take the child. Take child support. GTFO. That's my point of view. I'm with you. Like, get your girl. Because she also has a little girl. And she should just bounce at that point. I'm with you. I'm with you. I mean, we all saw this coming. Y'all. Y'all saw this coming, right? 100%. Again, we have context of being true crime fans. She's just living her life in 2010. If you're listening to us, you're a true crime fan. You saw this coming. We saw this coming. Yeah. She was an escort. She should have saw this coming. Hey, sometimes you just don't ask questions, though. In that business. Right? I'm just saying, like, she had to know you're cheating on me or cheating on your wife with me. Mm-hmm. Now I'm becoming the wife. She had to know. Well, I'm sure it's one of those things where she's like, surely not me because he actually loves me. He didn't really love his ex-wife. She, he really loves me. 
They never really had love you. <laughs> never. It's just like one after the other after the other. Oh, Jesus. They yeah. Never. So again, they decide to stay together for the child and that the kid's going to fix everything. So this poor little girl is in the middle mm-hmm. of whatever the fuck is going on here. Yeah. Don't do that, y'all. Don't do not do that. Don't download your crazy under your kids. No. Please don't. If no. you know you're in a bad situation, you're like, oh, we're just staying together for the kids. No. As soon as you say that, yes, your kids know what the fuck is going on. 100% they do. Trust me. It's insanity. So, and yes, I just wrote, I did write this in my notes, but we all know that this is bullshit. And not only did the fighting not stop, Elise started to suspect the cheating went even further than just like text messages, right? Oh, she really thought it was just texting? Mm-hmm. She didn't know that it was, um, mm-hmm. So she started looking into divorce again. Now, here's where I'm like, yeah, girl, get out of there. Fuck it. Fuck this guy. Get you, like you said, get your child I support. thought she saw the text and she knew he was banging somebody else. Mm-mm. She just, oh. Yeah, she's assuming. And, and okay, I also want to just real quick caveat something. So most of this information is, yes, it's from like the translated Wikipedia articles that came from like the police reports from Brazil and shit. Um, but it is also from her perspective of things. So she might have known more than what was said in the documentary. But again, this is like her yeah. speaking to a documentary crew. Yeah. Right? So yeah. we're going to grain of salt that a little bit. Yeah. Anyway. Mm-hmm. So she also wanted to find out her rights in this whole matter, considering she had nothing before him. And he is rich. They didn't sign a prenup. So it's like, okay, well, what do I get if I leave and have this daughter and it's his, you know, like what happens here? Which is, yeah, a good thing to think about because who the fuck knows? He could literally take everything and be like, bye. You're not owed anything. But so you're going to stay if you don't get money? Like that's insanity as well. I don't know. I don't know. (sighs) It's definitely, it's definitely a gray area. It's definitely very weird. Because if you think about it, right, no matter who it is, man, woman, Non-binary does not matter. Whoever is, let's just say one person in the relationship is working, the other person isn't, right? Person that work is working and the person who isn't get divorced in our society in the United States, I don't know about Brazil, but it's very much like, oh, well, the person that's working should get all the money. Where in actuality, it's like, yeah, but the person who wasn't working, maybe they were contributing to the household as well, not in a working capacity, but in a capacity, maybe they were taking care of kids. Maybe they were stay at home and doing all the laundry and cooking, cleaning. Maybe they weren't. Maybe that was the arrangement from the get-go is I work, you stay home. That person who wasn't working should get something for the time that they were together at least. Right? Yes. In my opinion. Because I they're supporting the person who's working. Who's working and right. they wouldn't be where they were at without that person supporting them. Correct. Whereas, again, most of society is built around the idea that the working working person is valuable and the non-working person is not, which is ridiculous. It's fucking bad shit if you think about it, especially in this day and age. Come on, y'all. We can't all be, you know. Well, I would love to be the non-working and valuable person. See? Oh, could you imagine? Again, we are here. We're available to be roll up CEOs that work from home and just do our true crime podcast all day. If you want us to sign off on shit for net or, you know, Amazon, that's totally fine. And when I say work, 
from home. Mm-hmm. I mean, do my podcast stuff and you just send me a check. Pretty much. Yeah. Mailbox money, preferably. Just do that. So anyway. <laughs> so it got bad enough to where she hired a private investigator in May of 2012. Okay. And they not only found the, the messages of him talking to other escorts, suh, plural, they found them on one of the sites that Lisa used to be on. Oh, that's a shock. Yeah. We go back to what we know. Yeah. So it's like, I'm talking about like, he's leaving reviews on these websites with his name. This dude, this dude is fucking dumb as shit. You can leave reviews on escort websites? Yep. Like, hey, she was great. Met me at this time. Whatever the fuck. I don't know what you write for a review for that, but uh, yeah. Two stars. She didn't shave her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? I don't know. Like, how does this work? I'm not Googling that. I, I know. Me either. That's, it's so funny. We'll have nothing but like murders like Googled, but we will not Google that. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's the line? <laughs> that's my line. I won't Google escort reviews. Now I kind of want to. I'm just curious. Like, what do you say? Are you going to do it? Keep talking. Okay. I got no What shame. do you say here? Anyway, point is, multiple websites, multiple women. It's like him leaving reviews about how, like, whatever. You know, just whatever. And not only that, there's this, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh. Amanda found a website. Do I agree to the terms and conditions? Ooh, leave. Yeah, no, you need to leave. This looks like a fucking spam. This is going to download something on your computer. Absolutely not. We're going to leave it a mystery. We're going to leave it a mystery. Point is, she, the PI, got this video of him waiting with his escort, this chick, outside a restaurant that they were just in. And like, he's like holding on to her, you know, they're waiting for the car and like kissing her and shit. And, oh, you found another website? What's happening here? Submit reviews of providers. They call them providers. Oh, it's not. I mean, that is basically, yeah. An erotic review. What is an erotic review? Okay, no, no. We need to get, again, spam. Let's get a fucking... You, you now have a virus. Seriously. What website were you it's just on? It's like an STD. <laughs> it's a computer STD. Girl. Oh, they don't call them STDs anymore. What do they call? Um, Venereal diseases? No. Uh, they're called shit. I learned this when my kids had to take that stupid thing in school. What do you call? Okay. Sexually transmitted diseases. No. It's um, not called that anymore? No. Um, STI, sexually transmitted infection. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I'm going back to that site later and I'll tell you about it. For your own personal needs? No, because I want to see what an erotic review is. You won't let me watch it here, so I'll do it at home. <laughs> if, if, uh, I don't even know what to say. I'm just saying gibberish words now. Keep going. Can, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so the PI found it has this amazing video. Again, the documentary shows it. It's crazy. Um, so waiting in a car, waiting for their car outside a restaurant on May 17th of 2012. He sent Elise this 
video, this private investigator did. And at the time, Lise was visiting her mom back at her hometown with her baby girl. So like, hey, grandma's house, you know, yeah. doing that whole thing. She was like, you gotta be kidding me. Are you fucking kidding me? This asshole, right? She lives the baby at her mom's and goes and kills him. We'll find out. So throughout all of this, Marcos is doing the usual thing. He's claiming she's cheating on him and he's jealous. Of and, course he is because he's a cunt. Right. It's a typical like placing blame on the other. I mean, it's like handbook. There's a handbook I surely have to give people that just like, here's what you do. Um, he even accused her of going back to sex work and having a man on the side with all the money that she made. And she was like, what the fuck are you talking about? Again, this is from her perspective. Mm-hmm. But- from what I understand of the people that were around Marcos at the time, he did frequent escorts. So it, it I don't I don't know if it stands to reason that he would be cruel to her, but he's definitely doing cruel actions. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So the words are I could see how that could happen. Right. If he's already being kind of a shithead. Um anyway. So Elise returns from her hometown the night of May 19th, 2012. And Marcos picks her up from the airport, okay? So around 6.30 that night, Elise, Marcos, and their daughter, Nanny, arrive at the penthouse, okay? 7.30, the nanny leaves. Again, they got money like that. Um, and according to her, this is when they started uh, talking, her and Marcos, and she showed them the video, Straight up. And she was like, what the fuck is this? Who the fuck is this? Why are you kissing her? Why are you holding on to her? Why are you guys outside a fucking restaurant? You know, yeah. all this shit. Right? So I'm sure that's not a pleasant experience for anyone. Um, so 10 minutes later, he's like, fuck it. I'm going to go out and get a pizza. Which is... Uh, that's... Because naturally, that's what that's you do. That's what you do. I guess because you're hungry and you want to keep fighting? I don't know. It's whatever. But it's it's a penthouse, so he just goes to the bottom floor. There's, like, restaurants and shit down mm-hmm. there. He grabs pizza, goes yeah, back yeah. up, okay? He comes back. Lise says they started arguing again, and Marco said, quoting, I'll send you back to the garbage you came from, and that she was, again, I'm quoting this word. She was a whore. That's what he said to her. Do mm-hmm. not condone the use of that word. And he slapped her in the face, okay? Um... And, okay, so what I've noticed about other countries' crime is that they have people, the person who perpetrated the crime, reconstruct the crime the day it happened. Not the day it happened, but, like, the day of the crime. Mm -hmm. So they'll have them go back through all their steps and all their actions. Like, okay, what did you do then? Did you do this? Did you do that? Where was this person situated? All this, right? Uh-huh. They film it in front of a lot of police officers. And then they take it as like the body of evidence of the crime that happened. Oh. It's really interesting. There's another documentary about like in Scandinavia, they did it there. And the person walked through and said, I shot them here. And this is what I did after. And this is what I did. Really fascinating. Did it in Brazil. So I'm like, I could, I Googled it and I tried to figure out like why they did that. Cause that, we don't do that here. Clearly yeah, we don't have like, obviously Bundy go. And then what'd you do? You know what I mean? Like, and the then fuck? I walked over here and I, yeah, yeah. Put makeup on this girl's head. That was, I mean, ugh. so like anyway, um, 
So what she was saying was she was sitting down. He was standing up over the table and slapped her in the face. So aggressive, Mm -hmm. very aggressive. So she gets up, right? She's backing down the hallway they have. He follows her and she has one of their guns in her hand because she's scared. Just out of the middle of nowhere? Yeah. So apparently what she did was she got up and got the gun. While he was getting pizza? Yeah. And because she was scared and she wanted to threaten him with it. Like, get away from me. Leave me alone. Yeah. Again, this is from her point of view. Marcos is shot, according to her, as he is trying to approach her in the hallway. So he's shot essentially like in the chest. Mm Mm-hmm. From this time, around 7.40 to 11.30 a.m., May 20th, she dismembers his body, puts him in suitcases, and leaves the penthouse with him in her car. She then dumps his body along the highway in Cocha near Sao Paulo, so between, you know, the city and, like, this other town. So here's the thing, right? She shoots him. She goes, shit, I got to get this body out of here. So what do I do? Fuck. Got it. Relying on my hunting training. I'm going to dismember the body. It's like I have a sixth sense for crime. Yeah. Yeah. Nailed it. I could be a detective if they didn't make me have to go through the police academy (laughs) and that bullshit like um, patrol where you got to catch speeders. Just put me straight to detective. (laughs) Just, like, get me in there. Call me in, coach. Put me in. in. Yeah, exactly. Phenomenal job. So what's interesting about the crime reconstruction that they do in the documentary, they walk her around the house and they say, okay, he's coming at you, and then what? I shoot him like this. And she's holding a gun straight out in front of her, right? Mm -hmm, Can't mm -hmm. see my hands, straight in front of you, shooting, boom, boom. He's standing straight. According to the Emmy, which you have got to watch this documentary, this man is... Incredible. It, it's worth it for him alone. This man's like 800 years old, has seen and done everything, <laughs> literally. And I kid you not, this is one of the quotes from the doc. He goes, the human body is more beautiful on the inside than it is on the outside. And had anyone else said that, I'd be like, okay, that's the fucking creepiest thing I've ever heard in my life. Uh-huh. But he's a medical examiner. Right. So he's seen hundreds of people's bodies, right? Uh-huh. And... I'm sitting there like, what the fuck did he just say? And then I'm thinking about it and I'm like, you know, he's not wrong. It's pretty fucking fascinating the shit we got going on inside of this. So I can see where he's coming from, but holy crap, man. That's That's, what you said? That's like a uh, a murderer statement. Right? Yeah. I'm like, how many people did you kill now? Huh? How many of those are your bodies? Huh? He's like a Dexter. (laughs) Right? Exactly. Exactly right. But anyway, so, but what this guy says is the trajectory of the bullet is a downward projection, as in she was standing over him. When he was sleeping. When he was shot in the hallway. He was not asleep. Oh. So the hallway situation happened. Yeah. It's just not, didn't go down quite like she said, like he's coming at her in an aggressive fashion. It's more of a, holy shit, you have a gun. Please don't, please don't, please don't. Oh, crap. And then, you know, he's on his knees. That kind of thing. Anyway, another very interesting fact um, will come up later. So stay tuned for that. So get this. So this is 
I'm a, okay, I want to know your opinion here after this fact. So what do you think of Elise so far? Like, can you see where she's coming from in this whole matter? I think that she did not want to get divorced because she was afraid she was going to get no money. So her solution was, if I kill him, I will get everything. Okay. Okay. Like Betty Lou not wanting to lose her trailer. Mm. Hey, we all got to hold on to something, right? Trailer, trailer, house. Yeah. To them, it's the same thing. Right. So now real quick, keep in mind, where is her daughter in all this? Oh, fuck. She was there. She's in the house. Yeah. This girl's one years old. And she's in the house. Mm-hmm. While her mother killed her father. And is dismembering his body uh-huh. in the house. Oh, she's... Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, for the next couple of weeks... Lise communicates with Marcos's family saying that he left her and took money and clothes and she's desperate to find him. He went out to get cigarettes and just didn't come back. There it is. She even contacts the police to help her find her missing husband. The perfect cover, right? Mm -hmm. Of course. So this all happened in May 1920th. On May 23rd, an Asian man's body parts are found. On June 1st, military police officers began to be uh, been to investigate the, the Department of Homicide and Protection of Persons. Again, this is where the translation gets wiggity because I was like, I don't know what. Um, looking for suspects in the crime. They still don't know who it is. They know it's an Asian man's body parts. That's all they know. June 4th, they identify his body and she was arrested like immediately. Like, girl, what? It's you know? Always the spouse. Yeah, they're just like straight up, boom. Okay, what What do you know? What do you not know? Whatever. And she was held under suspicion in a temporary detention, just as like, it, 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 person of interest at this point. Just want to know what happened. I like how they arrest the person of interest. I, they straight up do. Like, they don't even like play the whole like, hey, come with us. Why don't you talk to us? No. Straight up, boom, you're arrested. <laughs> I love that. June 5th. The Matsunaga's lawyer said there is no way this was done by one person and they find similar bags to the ones that the, his body parts were put in in their house or in their pet house, right? June 6th, she goes to the police and is like, fuck it. She straight up confesses, straight up. She's like, I could not live with myself anymore. I just, I just had to say what happened. So she said, this is what happened, how I did it, everything. But it was self-defense. Of course. Again, the cops think that someone helped her because how could a woman dismember a man's body? How could a poor little woman? Yeah, with a precision that she used. Now remember, again, she not only grew up in the country, she's a hunter, she knows how to process animals, and she was studying to become a nurse. Here's your signs. There's three fucking signs. Let me wave those red flags a little more for you. Well, wave, wave the red flag fucking high. So... And according to this incredible medical examiner, there was blood in Marcos's lungs. Okay. Meaning either he was alive when she cut off his head or he was brain dead when this happened. So one of those things could be true. Obviously no one knows, but yeah, that's uh, 
pretty uh, intense piece of of contention here because it's like, okay, that does make a difference. Yeah, it does. If you're still alive when you start cutting body parts off, that's different than you being dead when you start cutting body parts off. And if that's the case, is he conscious enough to know what's going on? You know, like there's a whole, yeah. yeah. So June 7th, they do the reenactment, right? And it confirms her account of things, of course, because again, She's the one doing the reenactment. On the 8th, her daughter was given to her aunt for guardianship. Okay. Which I have something to say about that. Good choice. So, and I've noticed this in all these stories we've done and the story I was working on that we'll cover next week. Why do they always give the kids to the murderer's family? Hmm. I never thought about that before. I don't know. Not the victim's family. You're right. It's really uncommon. Hmm. We should look more into that. That's a really good point. I never thought of it that way. It's always the murderer's family. Yeah. Like, hey, this person sucks. Here you go. (laughs) You guys figure it out. Weird. I think they should go to the victim's family. Think? Yes, this cunt killed your child. Have their baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Fair enough. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Obviously, their parents can't raise a functioning person. <laughs> Adult. <laughs> you raise it. Although we can't really always blame the parents. Because sometimes the parents are phenomenal. And then these kids are just shitbirds. Again, Ted Bundy. I mean, the mom was just doing her thing and... Here comes him, you know? I mean, I'm just saying. No, yeah, that's a good point. And I also want to say one thing. So the aunt in the in this story is extremely kind. And could, this little girl could not have gone to a better person. I'm not saying she's not. No, no, no. I'm no. just saying. I, I know. I know what you mean. I'm just saying, like, it, it's interesting how seeing Elise through her eyes is a different person because she knows her from when she was very little and she is very non-judgmental of her, right? Which I think is uh, a grace that not all of us are afforded. Yeah. As even just normal life, let alone like being a murderer, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it's definitely an interesting take. Um, so get this. Obviously, this blew up in the news. Mm-hmm. This woman dismembers her husband. He's rich. She's poor. There's all of these dynamics, you know, you know, him being from an Asian family. She's Brazilian. You know, like you can name it. All of these different like topics came up, you know, in all of this shit. Um, and then they started the victim blaming, which I'm sorry if it became that way at the beginning. We, we have to be real here. He did some abhorrent behavior. Mm-hmm. Did not warrant murder. By no, no, no. any account. No, he was the cunt because he was doing cunty things. Correct. But he should never deserved to die. No, God, no. Um, but then it's like, okay, well, at what point is it victim blaming? You know, it, it, mm-hmm, I get that. Yes. Um, again, I, I do think he holds the responsibility of don't be a cheating asshole. But again, no murder. Um... But yeah, there's this whole thing about it. So the trial started in 2016. Now, from 2012 to 2016, she's in jail. 
She's in prison this entire time for four years. And in Brazil, as you heard, they straight up throw everybody in fucking jail. They will fucking throw your ass in jail for nothing. Jails are overcrowded. We're talking drugs, everything. Any type of person is in jail, just straight up in jail. So they're overcrowded because there's people in there that may or may not need to be in there just on being suspected. She hasn't even had her day in court. Yeah. Four years later. So it's an interesting system. Not that ours is any better at all. It's just very different in that case. Um, Started in 2016. And it lasted seven days, which is so funny on the documentary. They're like, this is the longest trial in Brazil's history. I'm like, seven days? Bitch! OJ trial lasted 11 months. And like, we're like, yeah, and (laughs) seven days. Get out of here. Go big or go home like the U.S., right? (laughs) Anyway, the jury did convict her. Absolutely. Of the crime. They sentenced her to... What's interesting is the judges sentence you and they do it right on the spot, uh-huh. right off the jury gave the guilty verdict of 19 years, 11 months and one day. Very precise. That's, yeah, that's weird. <laughs> number um, for murder, destruction and concealment of a corpse. Okay. So she's currently serving at the Women's Penitentiary in Sao Paulo and she's allowed furlough days where she can leave jail and visit family and friends. So this is also very controversial in Brazil because they're like, why are we allowing like murderers out on the street? And also get this. So they're allowed to go out and do this on their own. Like nobody has to be with them. What? Yeah. Now the idea behind it, and I get this, is we want these people to be able to eventually get back, be reintroduced into society and be able to like keep up and, and be functioning members of the world. Okay, but maybe do that, like, towards the end of their sentence when they're about to be, like, released. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and also maybe have somebody, like, be with them. Or when they have, like, good behavior and prove that they can behave. Right. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's very interesting, the furlough system. And there was, like, again, like, this whole thing of, like, why are we letting these people out? And other people are like, well, you know, we need to make sure that they can be functioning. Yeah, I get that. So this documentary actually does take place, spoiler alert, while she was on this furlough visiting her family again. She hadn't seen in years. Um, and then they just go back. They have to go back and report and come back and forth, right? So it's very interesting, Ugh. but... Her case is controversial for many different reasons, but definitely, like, I'm surprised she didn't eat him. Oh, thank God. I'm sure people don't taste good. Well, I heard we take, like, pork. Dahmer did not eat people with tattoos. (laughs) We're safe. We're good. I'm all good. We're we're also not men. Yeah. There's that. (laughs) But that is the story of Lizzie Matsunaga. That was crazy. Now I'm going to have to go watch this stupid documentary with subtitles. It's great. And the thing is, is like, it really does the whole time from what this, this is pretty cut and dry. If you just read the facts, but you watch that documentary and you watch her talking about it. You're like, Hmm. Interesting. Like you can see how people may be thinking she did it out of like self-defense or something. It's interesting. It definitely fucks with your mind a little bit. I'm going to have to watch that, but I don't feel it was self-defense. No, God, no. 
She straight up did that shit. I, I don't think it was for money. I think she was just pissed that he started calling her bad names and like started being an asshole. Because like, if this is the thing, right? Really sloppy job, but also like, you know, they're going to find his body. And then how does insurance work then? Like, you know what I'm saying? If your husband's murdered, do you still get the insurance? Do you still get anything? Probably not. I really think that she didn't want to lose her penthouse because she came from nothing. Mm-hmm. But then what's the play there? Murder this guy and just like make it look like he ran away? Yes. It worked for Betty Lou. Yeah, but for how long? I mean, his family, he's a well-known dude. He is rich as shit. He's a CEO of a company, but he's not going to be missed. You know what I mean? I'm just saying. I'm not thinking this I didn't true. say she was smart. True. <laughs> but yeah, it was definitely very uh, interesting. A lover scorned, man. Telling you, don't do it. Yep. <laughs> don't fucking do it. Y- you don't. You just don't. No. Do you want me to take you to a happy place? Please. Let me introduce you to Wagiri Mathahi, the founder of the Greenbelt Movement. Ooh. What's that? She, I'm going to tell you. <laughs> she is also the 2004 Nobel Peace Prize laureate. She's written four books, been the feature of several books, and the subject of a documentary called Taking Root, the Vision of Wagiri Mathai. I did watch the documentary. Oh my God. This whole time. I forgot I did that. Bitch, what? I forgot I did that. You're over here making me feel bad for just doing documentary. No, no, no. It's real short. It's Does real it make it better? It's real short. And here's the link and you can post it. It's real good. You should watch it. I will. Wagiri was born in Nairi, which is a rural area of Kenya in 1940. Um, She got a degree in biological sciences from Mount St. Scholastica College in Atchison, Kansas in 1964. A master of science degree from the University of Pittsburgh in 1966. And a PhD from the University of Nairobi in 1971. But she also studied for her doctoral I lost my spot. Her doctoral degree in Germany. Okay, back up. This is a black woman doing this from another country in the United States. Yes. Holy shit. Talk about breaking fucking barriers and glass ceilings. She is amazing. Holy crap. I told you you were going to love her. Yeah. Um so Wagiri was the first woman in East and Central Africa to earn a doctorate degree. She taught veterinary anatomy at the University of Nairobi and became the chair of the department in 1976 and an associate professor in 1977. She was the first woman to hold both of those positions in the region. Damn. Like how? The look on your face right now, I can't even. Yeah, no, keep going. Like I need to know more now. <laughs> so... Wangiri was an active member of the National Council of Women of Kenya from 1976 to 1987 and held the position of chairman from 1981 to 1987. Mm -hmm. The National Council of Women 
of Kenya is a women's organization affiliated with the National Council of Women that was made out of rural women in Kenya and was to provide um, coordination among the various women's groups in Kenya. So it was just basically a big council to help coordinate all these various little groups to get together throughout Kenya. Got it. While she was with the National Council is when she introduced the idea of community-based tree planting. Uh Ah. She continued to refine this idea until it became the Greenbelt Movement. The Greenbelt Movement, and this is an exact quote from their website because I couldn't explain it any better. Um... It works at the grassroots, national, and international levels to promote environmental conservation, to build climate resilience, and empower communities, especially women and girls, to foster democratic space and sustainable livelihoods. Nice. So what she would do, she would go to different villages and communities and teach women how to plant trees because she could see how deforestation was negatively affecting the rural Kenyan communities. Mm -hmm. And she wanted them to be able, she wanted them to be able to help restore degraded watersheds. Um, The streams were drying up and the women had to walk further and further for water and firewood. And she thought the solution was easy, plant more trees. Mm -hmm. The tree roots would bound the soil, halting erosion and retain groundwater following the rains. Right. Um, this would help maintain the livelihoods of the communities and, um, it would also teach them to be self-sustainable. Right. Like they didn't give them like trees, saplings or seeds. They taught them how to get the seeds from the trees and take the seeds and grow the saplings and take the saplings and plant the saplings and grow the trees. Like you have to watch the documentary. It's absolutely amazing how she taught them. To do this. Um, but this actually did not make some people happy, a.k.a. the government. <laughs> and Wangiri was harassed, threatened, beaten, and jailed. I'm sorry. Uh, how is helping the community, planting trees, and helping people empower themselves to have some sort of work or, like, you know, their own initiative... A bad thing that the government wants to quash is because of making y'all look bad. Because or? they were the ones who were actually um, um, getting rid of all the trees. Oh, there and it is to create big cities and mm-hmm. getting in the small villages and causing them to move into the villages and. Got it. They're the ones behind mm-hmm. all this bullshit. And she yes. was saying, like, look, you don't have to move to a city. You can stay where you're at. Here's a... This is how we solve it. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. So, I could stop. And we're we're impressed with her and all that she has done. Clearly. Um, and, and what more could she do? Yeah, no. She's nailing it. She has, like, how many degrees? Um, But that's not all. She has been internationally acknowledged for her struggle for democracy and human rights among her environmental conservation. She she has addressed the UN several times. She served on the Commission for Global Governor, Governance, and the Commission on the Future. 
The Commission for Global Governance is a commission of 28 individuals who work to find new ways the international community can cooperate to further an agenda of global security. Mm-hmm. It started in 1992, and it's still in existence. Wow. I couldn't find out what the Commission of the Future is. Um, anytime I Googled that, it came up with, like, space stuff. Mm. Um, ready for this list? 2002 to 2007, she represented the Tattoo constituency in the Kenyan parliament. The Tattoo constituency is an electoral constituency in the Nairiri County. 2003 to 2007, she served as an assistant minister for environmental and natural resources in Kenyan's ninth parliament. Wow. 2005, she was appointed, appointed goodwill ambassador for the Congo Basin forest ecosystem by the 11 heads of the state in the Congo region. 2006, she founded the Nobel Women's Initiative with her sister lariats, Jody Williams, Sharon Ibadi, Rigoberta Machutin, Betty Wilma, and Marid Corrigan. This is an international advocacy group to support women's groups around the world campaigning for justice, peace, and equality. Wow. 2007, she was invited to co-chair the Congo Basin Fund, an initiative by the British and Norwegian governments to help protect the Congo forest. Love that. 2009, the UN Secretary General named Wanjiri a UN messenger of peace with a focus on environment and climate change. 2010, she was appointed to the Millennium Development Goals Advocacy Group. It's a panel of political leaders, business people, and activists established with the aim to galvanize worldwide support for the achievement of the Millennium Development Goals. Whoa. There are actually eight development goals. They are eradicate extreme poverty and hunger, mm-hmm. achieve universal primary education, mm-hmm. promote gender equality and empower women, yep. reduce child mor- mortality, improve maternal health, combat HIV, AIDS, malaria, and other diseases, ensure environmental sustainability, develop global partnerships and development. In 2010, she became a trustee of the Karura Forest Environmental Education Trust, established a safeguard for the public land for whose protection she had been fighting for the entire time. Yeah. In 2010, she, with the University of Nairobi, she founded the Wanjiri Mathai Institute for Peace and Environmental Studies to bring together the academic research with the Greenbelt Movement approach and the organization members. Wow. She passed away September 25th, <gasps> 2011, at the age of 71 after no. battling ovarian cancer. No. She had three children, Wararu... Wajira and Muta. Okay, those are cute names. I like those names a lot. She's died? Yeah. Oh, honey. What a fucking career, dude. Are you kidding? No. She's incredible. What's the name of the documentary so people can watch it? And myself included, because I'm definitely watching this shit. The link is here. It's called Taking Root, the Vision of 
Wanjiri Mathai. I love this. God, what a fucking advocate, man. Not only for herself. Obviously, she's out here like, I'm getting these degrees. This is what I love. This is what I'm interested in. She's raising kids. She's helping her community. She's fucking battling the government of that community. And then she's on all these boards and shit. Damn. That's incredible. What a badass. Yeah. I'm like, and what did I do today? Um... Shit. I know what I did today, and I'm not going to say what I did today. Did you read another true crime book? And and, and now we're going to have to have another 14-hour podcast. No. (laughs) You know what I did today. You were there. That's true. Good job. No, dude, that's fucking incredible. Incredible. What was that? I don't know. Oh, my God. It's been a day. That's awesome. I'm excited to learn more about her. I love, like, the people you bring to the table here for, like, the badasses. Because a lot of times, you know, it's not just, like, celebrities. Like, it's an easy one definitely for me to go to. Like, oh, this person's great. Um, But people like this are, like, the unsung heroes of the world where, you know, Yes, she won a freaking Nobel Peace Prize, of course, so people know her, but we don't know her name. She's not a household name. Yeah, I mean- But she should be. I had no clue who this was. My favorite is her and the other Nobel Peace Prize winning women Mm. who got together and created this whole international advocacy organization Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to support women's groups around the world. See, so here's the thing. We're told- as women, like, oh, women are catty. Women always, like, bitch at each other. Women don't like each other, really. It's all just, mm-mm, That's a false narrative being propagated by the patriarchal society in which we live in. Yeah, that could be a little political, but let's be real, it kind of is. Um, and we've been told that our whole lives. So, of course, like, women play into it sometimes. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to be a bitch to her, whatever. Uh, hello? I'm sorry. Was she just on a fucking panel of nothing but women talking about the fact that, first of all, check out my freaking Nobel Peace Prize, um, but also we can do good in the world with other women? Yeah. Proving the point of no, women are not automatically hating on each other. We have plenty of like women's groups and we should advocate for each other. We should help each other out. We should be each other's besties, you know, like... I don't have to be everyone's bestie. No, I? granted. But you know what I'm saying, right? You see yes. a woman struggling, you're like, hey, girl, I got you. Let's do this thing, you know? Best way to describe it is when men are at their worst, i.e. drunk as shit in a club, what do they do? He, they hit each other in the face. Mm-hmm. They fight each other. Or they do some dumb shit. Hey, look at me. I'm going to jump off this car. Don't do it. Oh, he did it. Right? Yeah. What do women do when we're drunk as shit? We help that girl to the bathroom. No, that's right. What do we do in the women's bathrooms? How many times have you been like, don't call your ex, don't call your ex, and you don't even know that girl? You don't know his, her ex either. I'm like, girl, you need, you stop drinking. Thank you. I'll stop. get you a glass of water. Hold on. I'm going to go to the bar. I'll get you a glass of water. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I straight up dead ass walked a girl in the bathroom because her boyfriend was like, he, she is so drunk. Do you mind just helping her out and like helping her get to a stall so she can puke? I was like, I got you. Straight up. And everyone's like, do you know her? I'm like, I don't know her. She's just, look, we've all been at her point. 
hold my hair back. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta take yeah. a, a moment. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, we are the nicest, kindest. Do you need a hair tie? Oh, honey, you look great. Fuck him. Fuck her. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. Every single time. Just saying. Just saying. Hello. And she's out here advocating. Love it. Yeah. Good get. Thanks. Love it. We'll include all the links so you can take a look at her um, foundations and everything and obviously participate, donate, do whatever you feel comfortable doing, of course. Um, You'll put her um, documentary in the show notes. Yeah, I'll put the link to it so you guys can take a look at it. Um, Is it free or is it on like a site? No, it's freebie. Oh, sweet. Even better. Hell yeah. Love those. Um, This was a good one. A good episode. Yeah. We did good. Yay. Yeah, yes. We'll, 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 pat, we'll break our own arms to pat ourselves <laughs> on the back. You guys don't need to do that. We did things. Thank- <laughs> we did a thing today. <laughs> Thank y'all so much for joining us. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And as always, we'll see you next Tuesday.